to cover my ass where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay. And remember, we only judge a book by its cover. And we find ourselves... Kay, I've been so looking forward to saying this again. We find ourselves once more amid the towering stacks of your library. It seems that we have found our way back, haven't we? We're finally doing it again. We're on a quest to discover the hallowed breeding grounds of the Velibra Raptors. And my dear friend, Guinevere, whom I've been missing for many weeks now... Yeah, I think think we're in the MC section now. MC? Now, is that by the... uh, MCG. MCG. Oh, like McG, the the famous filmmaker. MacGuffin, I think we're... No. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yes. Although, traditionally, that's spelled M-A-C. Oh, MacGuffin. Yeah, I don't know where... I suppose it's the original Scottish one. But yeah, so we're on the quest. We are cycling on the... I mean, that's the... Darwin Three. No, that wasn't the name. Uh, No, the Threegle. Threegle, thank you. That's from the the Beagle. uh, But only one part of the Threegle. Because I think we lost the other two parts somewhere down the line. No, I told you about this. Or the raccoons who were masquerading as you. It's it's hard to tell a part of this point. It's confusing times. Just to, like, recoup a little bit of the unnecessary lore, I've gotten word from one of our readers at home that there was a little bit of confusion whether at one point we were actually both three raccoons. Only at one point? Well, no, I mean, like, there there was a few episodes in which... Kaki was three raccoons, and then there was a few episodes wherein he was talking to three raccoons posing yes, as I me. Think, no, I think that's the correct way. Yeah, like, that, that, I was that, never three raccoons, no, that's right, but... Yes. There's always at least one of your host presence in one of these podcasts. Hey, that's a cover-my-ass guarantee. You can take yeah. that home to the bank. There's, <laughs> There's always at least one, one of us on the ball. There you go. That must have been so confusing, though. But how wonderful that, that some of our readers at home are, are paying attention to, to something that... I mean, I was speaking to three raccoons for about three weeks there, and I kind of didn't notice. I mean, I do have the like the dark circles around my eyes most of the time, so, so do like, I. It is a bit of a and easy we both works on the waistline, so underneath yeah. a underneath a trench coat, and we do both wear hats from time to time, so that's not particularly unusual either. I mean, and I we talk a bunch of nonsense. So well, yes, but that's given. Otherwise, you don't get into podcasting. That's right. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I mean, that's certainly how we arrived there. Not to cast aspersions on any of our podcasting brethren, who I'm sure have much more sensible things to say. Uh, not to, like, break the spell, but I wonder what it's like for uh, a podcast that where people review books that they've... Actually read? Yeah. Well, I think we'll give it a go at some point. Oh, I mean, it seems like a lot of work, and it seems it like we probably wouldn't be able to maintain a weekly schedule. Well, definitely not that. <laughs> well, I mean, there, there's, there's times when I can easily eat a book in a week, yeah. but there's not like I don't do it consistently. So since I've been doing so much riding around and discovering the uh, the library, I can actually pop in the headphones of my old iPhone 5S, I think I yeah, said. Probably. Yeah, probably. Sounds about right. Yeah, and, and listen, and listen to some, some audiobooks. That's a good thing that I got the Wi-Fi sorted out here in the library. Yes, thank you for yes. that. Excellent coverage, by the way, because mm. I've been going... I mean, I've been going for miles and miles. I don't know whether it's in circles or spirals or whatever, because yeah. the... I'm also glad that you can like manage to charge your phone off the dynamo when you're by, on the uh, Beta 3 goal. Hey, it's it's good for the glutes. Rock hard. Yeah, yeah thank you. As thank as you. As Give me you a keep, walnut to keep crack on one of these days. Oh, I'm not big on walnuts, but, you know. Well, okay. I mean, they're all right, but, like, you know, like, that's the problem with walnuts. Like, if you add them to anything, like, everything tastes like walnut. It's like the olives of the nut world. What are you talking about? Are walnuts Walnuts. nuts? Yes. Even? Yes, they are. Are you sure? Yes. They're not legumes? I'm pretty sure they have a hard shell. They grow on trees. Yeah. Walnuts are actually nuts. 
Okay, well, I what guess. about peanuts? Peanuts are really nice. You've got these plants, and they grow sure out, and, and you get this flower, and then after it's been pollinated, it kind of droops down, and then it, it That's burrows. That's how mine goes when I pollinate, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, continue. It burrows into the ground, and then, it, <laughs> and then it keeps growing there, and it grows as a peanut underground. Underground? I never knew that. That's why they're called... Ground nuts. I, I didn't know that either. Oh. I know that as peanuts. So okay, so they start yeah. off with like peas in their pod. Exactly. Right. But then, and then well, the, that's the, the plant you droops think the, down. And yeah, then that's when you think yeah. of the peanut. Like yeah. they're, in a, they're in a little and then, pod. But I think like, the pod like only other... develops once, once it's like burrowed in. Oh. Once, it, once the plant's burrowed itself underground, then it develops. Oh, I assume wow, it's some sort of defense mechanism against getting eaten. Well, what is the... Oh, God. Everybody who clicked on this because they thought, oh, what a fun book. I can't wait to hear them review it. Must be so disappointed, but whatever. Talking about peanuts. Folks, just hang on. We're talking about peanuts here mm. what is the biological strategy of the legume because mm. like the the strategy of the fruit is to fall and rot and thereby provide, provide itself, nutrients yeah. to to fruits but like the strategy of the berry is to be eaten and be and pooped, pooped out, out by birds and yeah. then that becomes the yeah. or, or whatever yeah. and then the poop is the is the, is yeah. the fertilizer so what about legumes? I mean, do they have seeds? They're, I mean, beans are legumes, so they're, they they you can plant of, a bean and get yeah. a, and get a bean yeah. plant. Everything it needs to like grow roots and get its leaves out of the ground is in that little bean pod. So neither of us is going to get a Segway award for today's book, but let me try this. Okay, actually, let me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But none of these problems exist anymore in the book that we're talking about this week. Oh, very good. Project Pope by Clifford D. Simak. Indeed. And, um, oh, if you look down at your podcasting device, you should, should be seeing the cover of this week's book. The extinct planet Earth is an intergalactic LARPers paradise. All the cool continents are already claimed, but two robots discover their tiny allotment was once the holy seat of a global religion. Their role-playing, philosophical and cosplaying fun takes a turn for the real when they discover the only remaining multicellular life on the planet and must decide... Was the burning bush literal or metaphoric? Yes. And for our, our, our readers at home, LARP in this case means live action role play. Robot playing. Sorry? Live action robot playing, wasn't it? Well, <laughs> yeah, certainly in this case. In our world, yes. I'm just assuming that our readers at home are not like nerds, despite the well, fact that they're listening to an internet radio program about two dudes uh, pretending to have read books, yeah. which... I, actually, I take that back. It's a bit you're, of a stretch. Yeah. You're, you're probably nerds. Actually, no, this is great. If you don't know what LARP is, if we were the first ones to explain it to you, please let us know. You can find us at uh, covermyasscast at gmail.com. That's an email address where you can find us. You, you can send an email there, or you can find us on Twitter at covermyasscast. Not at gmail.com. No, there's no. That's that's it. At, at covermyasscast. <laughs> okay, Just so that. who's the fucking nerd now? Okay, so the one thing I love most about this uh, cover, and there's a lot to love. And there is a love. Is the fact that like Mr. Clifford D. Simak is actually a Nebula Grand Master. If you look. Oh, at is he? Where is it? Where it, is it? It says it right at the top. It says like he's a oh Nebula Grand Master. We did he's, another one. He's not just a Nebula Award winner. Now, what goes into being a Grand Master? Because I, I remember no that um, Anne McCaffrey was a Grand Master. Grand Mistress, I suppose. Oh, that'd be great. We should probably should talk about the cover. Yes, we have two robots and a bush. 
a flowering rose well, that's bush. A, that's an awfully concise uh, well, yes. summary of the book. So the bush, it like it obviously has roses on it, but to me, the stem of the bush looks more like a ficus. You mean the sort of gnarled? Yeah, exactly. That looks more like it. A, sort like of looked like like roots. I, I right, don't know. Yeah, the ficus like look like ficus. Like that's my first thoughts when I look at this. A barren desert plain, which is probably the Sinai Desert, because that's where the burning bush thing is supposed to have happened. Oh yes, that's right. And we've got like the purple robed robot and the brown robed robot, like yes, the uh, the synthetic persons, oh, as, they, as they prefer well, yes. to be known, uh, who uh, are, the, are, the, are the descendants of the internet subconscious. Mm-hmm. Does that ring a bell? The internet subconscious? You know, it's been a while. It was, it was actually a little misspeaking that I did some 53 oh, episodes ago. That's episode a long time seven. ago. Oh, yeah, wow, that is a very long time ago. When we did Tam, the Son of the Tiger. Oh, was that so early on? Yes. Oh. It, it's, it's really that was quite the other wild. LARP book we did, wasn't it? And I think it's kind of appropriate... Because this is our our sixtieth episode, which is a hexahebdomadariversary, I believe. Fantastic. Uh, three, no, three hex- score, hexadeca. Three score episodes ago, minus seven episodes ago, we were talking about this. Three this score minus seven episodes. Oh, very good. So yes, we have uh, two synthetic persons clearly arguing over a bush. And, yes, oh, oh, actually, and one, one of them yeah. is in in purple vestments, the ecclesiastic yeah. purple of the papacy. Yes. Uh, and the other one, who their back is arched and they're and they're looking up. He's, he's almost like he's curtsying. Uh, I would oh, say. Oh, yeah. I like that. See, I want to learn how to curtsy, how to do it properly, because it's yeah. such a lovely gesture. It's almost almost balletic. It is a, a bow, a formal bow, like you either do it from the neck or the waist, and you do it at a certain angle. And like, oh, there, yeah. and there's and an apparently art to that. Apparently, the angle is really important if you're if you're Japanese yeah. and various other cultures. In the same way that when you put your your hands together, oh, yeah. your palms together, it depends on how high your hands are, like yeah. how much respect you're showing. And showing too much is almost like also, parodic. Yeah. So uh, holding it at heart height, that yeah. is that is for an equal. Holding it lower is for like a subservient or a child or whatever. That's a a benediction almost. And holding it up to your face is great respect. And holding it above you, that's like respecting I, divinity. I mean, I, mean, I know that's very much a Thai thing, where yeah, how how high you hold it, like yeah, it's, it's like, a it's, it's a for, gestural honorific. Yeah, for someone you've not mentioned, it's like usually chin height, and I have no idea who you are, and I'm just like going to show you proper respect in the end. And yeah. you do it back, of course, yeah. It's, but by uh, the time that you know you're in the condition where you're raising your your hands above your eyes, like that person cannot return it at the, at the same level because <laughs> that's have, it. Yeah, we yeah, can't the, both be God yeah. now, can we? <laughs> I've not thought of that. That like well, it's sort of like when you oh, have you have you ever met like. A, a celebrity that you really admire, a writer or a, or an actor, whom you um, consider like occupies a higher stratum of existence. I've rubbed elbows with Terry Pratchett, literally. We, <laughs> no, we, we, we were standing at a, it was a, at a Ren Faire. It was dance. at a Ren Faire and We were standing at a booth, and oh. I was literally rubbing elbows with Sir Terry Pratchett. Uh, did you speak with him? I, barely. A bit. I, I went to his panel later in the day, and I I had one of my books signed with him. But like at the oh, time, wonderful. I figured like I thought it would be more like polite to just acknowledge his presence and like let him get have, on with his day him, exactly let him get on with his business i, I often wonder about that like oh i recently learned about an author that we've discussed guy n smith the uh-huh. author of crabs the human sacrifice yes. um there is an annual convention uh, of the guy n smith fan club uh-huh. which is held at his house. Oh, cool. He cooks. <laughs> nice. For the 18 people who, who show up. So I might actually have to read one of his books and go there one day. I mean, considering I've seen some of the other covers of his books, and they're amazing, and they're baffling, so I guess we should never read them, lest we deny ourselves. I mean, we can only read the ones we've not reviewed. Mm. 
One of his books is called The Sucking Pit. Okay. So you know that's got to go on the list one of these days. I can imagine. As long as the cover is visually entertaining, then yes. I but think so the cover of this Project week's Pope. book, we have two synthetic persons yes. from the from the internet uh, uh, subconscious. And the one on the right, the one in the brown vestment, is Dr. Theophilos. Mm-hmm. Is what he, yes. Yeah. Is what he, what he named himself. Because ah. he... Uh, they were late to the party. Yes. After, after abandoned, extinct Earth was discovered. Discovered yes. by the intellectual a, a, a community, wasteland completely wrecked by Lifeless nuclear holocaust, to biological the point. warfare, yeah. and 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 an exodus. There were some sites which like hinted at generation ships having lifted off there, but yeah, dissolved into the galactic community. Currently, there is nothing left on the planet, not a scratch, but lots of relics. Like whole abandoned cities, which mostly intact, which have drawn like role players from across the galaxy ah. to to try and participate, like the children of the son of the tiger who discovered a a, a bizarre little enclave somewhere in in in, in previously English colonial Africa uh, that was already a larpist paradise for a while. Which is kind of weird because, like, I mean, the, the, all the trees left there were fossilized, and it was kind of like more of a <laughs> desert wasteland with some tree trunks, which they kind of like ran around Look, screaming. That's the wow. That's that's the thing with with a, a live action role playing role playing in general. It's it's a theater of the imagination. Now the uh, the empire of the robot queen had it quite a lot easier, despite mm-hmm. the fact that most of its its citizens were themselves biological and only pretending to be synthetic persons. The winter sports territory in the, on Earth at this point is prime, of course, where most of the story takes place. It's like the the, the European Alps. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, uh, the ones who went to Sochi, they didn't have such a good time. But there's well, a lot of toilets facing each other for some reason. <laughs> there's also the Guild of the Bewildered uh, Time-slash-Space Folks, mm-hmm. who, much like the Brotherhood of Spocks, like, they think they could just drop <laughs> into anybody's territory and, and wave like, a center off. around yeah. going, huh, oh. what year is this? What, 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 what peculiarities are going on here? Oh, this, like, primitive planet. A, a parallel basically, world, basically like, any yeah. excuse to show off their own LARP uh, equipment. Which... I don't know how people feel about that. I mean, probably some Star Trek LARPers are welcome at a I Ren Fair, yeah. or are I mean, they? I, I know that the, the, the Klingons are always welcome at the furry uh, yeah. cons because they generally host a great bar and they have throw a good great party. parties yeah. and, they're, and they're good fun with yeah. everyone and, and like it's, 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 it's super inclusive. So, yeah, of course, the two main characters of this book, which are yeah. the uh, synthetic persons again, Dr. Theopolis and what was the other Dr. one called? Theophilus. Theophilus, Theophilus, sorry. What was the other one called again? Well, he was one who took his name from another one of the. Uh, Earth LARP empires. That's Daryl McMatthews the Fourteenth. It's a good name for a pope. Exactly. There's a number in there, so that's why he assigned yes. himself. Which brings the- me to an interesting question. Is the Pope Catholic? Well, hold it. Um, okay, so well, well, I'm sure that there's a well. What, what, well, what makes a Catholic really? Then well, I mean, I've never really. I mean, bear shit in wood, so the Pope yeah. must be a Catholic, right? Well, oh God, please don't let that ever be taken out of context. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, the Pope is not Catholic. What? Why not? Okay, because the person who is generally referred to as the Pope. Which is the Pontifex, the Pontifex, yeah. which is the uh, Archbishop of Rome, uh, the last incarnation of Saint Peter, uh, whatever the thing oh, is. Like, wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. Il Papa. It's not actually a title. The actual per- person who has the title of the Pope is the head of the Coptic Church. So no, the Pope is not Catholic. Wait. Okay. No, but <laughs> he's got a immensely long title, which of is the, like Archbishop no, of Rome, right. the Pontiff of this, Saint Simon of right. that, holder of the relics, but. Pope Il Papa is just a term okay, of affection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this, this came up in my 
I was going to say research, but I think it was probably the really extensive appendices to this book, where uh, there were lists and lists and lists of various titles in various religions, and uh, where I learned words like uh, a proto-priest. That's a proto-priest. Like, proto-priest and schema monk. Schema monk. Yeah, right? I don't know what it is, but it or would proto- be one of the ex bum LARPers <laughs> who moved in from the territory to the north uh, of yes. uh, the Roman Catholics, who are now uh, forming the two guard bots, blue and yellow. Ah, oh, yes. I, I immediately saw where the author was going with this, because being ex bums, like, they must have been from, from the Alps. And which Alps are the best... The Swiss, the Swiss Alps, yeah. yeah. So, so we have we have our our liveried uh, Swiss guards in exactly. a really cool like nylon skiing outfits Fits. with the with the cool stripes and one of them's uh, got a snowboard for a shield and a ski <laughs> pole for a spear. So, <laughs> so of course they're they're welcome at the at the edges of the of the new papacy. But I can understand that uh, Doctor Theophilus and Daryl McMatthews the Fourteenth are quite protective of their tiny little enclave on a very busily LARPing Earth because being the only synthetic person. On on Earth, they approach LARP from a from a slightly different perspective. Like it's not just purely imagination from them. They're they have the ability, like synthetic persons do, to, uh, to sort of reprogram themselves, mm-hmm. kind of using uh, personality pods, like little USB sticks, essentially that they can yeah. plug into themselves after programming it. Like that does lead to some really interesting like philosophical discussions because so biological persons are like we imagine. That we have a soul. We imagine that we have an ineffable essence that is us. Mm -hmm. And the discussion between nature and nurture and what is transcendental. And we have that advantage. We can have those discussions because we are black box to ourselves. We are black boxes within which... I suppose which, so, yeah. We can't examine our own wetware, as I think that they would call it in yes, the... Yes, uh, or each other's. I mean, we're trying, but we're not making many inroads. Whereas synthetic persons, yeah. they have printouts of their core code. They can, therefore, rewrite themselves. They can decide what their personality and their motivation is going, going to, be. to be. There's actually a t- uh, thing in Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? By Philip K. Dick, yes. which is based on the Blade Runner franchise. Yes, which they're like, talking about like dialing in your emotional state of being oh, at the beginning the, of... what's the, it called? The movie? organ something like that and you can, like, yes. like they have an argument at the beginning of the, like what were you planning to die well on my according to my calendar i'm dialing like uh, chirpy and uppy but i don't feel like it so i'm going to like do mopey and like well if you're going to do mopey i'm going to dial passive aggressive and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and you know what i don't even feel like dialing anything well why don't you dial the setting 10 uh, setting 10 is feeling like dialing on the mood <laughs> yeah, exactly. organ exactly no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm going to do... you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do suicidal ennui, and I'm going to set a timer for an hour, and then there's going to be, like, regret and self-reproach. <laughs> so weird that that never made it into the film version. No, I mean, the film has almost no relationship to the book. But this is something that the, the synthetic people, so Dr. Theophilus and Daryl McMatthews Fourteenth do routinely, where they program new sort of personality uh, components for themselves and plug them in and just see what I'm like when I'm one of these people. Like, especially now that they have all of these titles that they can explore, like the proto-priest and the the, the bishop and uh, 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 Dr. Theophilus, the the, the one in the brown, he gets, like, way too excited because he's not as interested in, like, uh, higher titles. He likes to do the research and get the history and find all the interesting things that have been going on. It's a small city-state. They only have a tiny little RP allotment with a density of two popes per square kilometer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, one of those popes quickly gives up his, well, no, his there's rival. A, there, there's only one pope, but it's only half a kilometer, square kilometer in surface area, so there's <laughs> like, the density is two popes per square kilometer. <laughs> That's right. 
<laughs> but Dr. Dr. Theophilus quickly realizes that there is much more uh, uh, to Earth's various religions and philosophies than just these Roman Catholic strictures. Oh. So he quickly styles himself as, oh, I really enjoyed reading about this on uh, the appendices, that's the one, uh, of the Dob-Dob. The Dob-Dob. Dob-Dob. I must have not read that footnote. Well, it was rather an obscure one, and I, and I know that Dr. Theophilus was, was very proud to have discovered it. Uh-huh. So this is a fraternity of Buddhist monks. Mm-hmm. They exist within monasteries where okay. there, there are sort of subgroupings of, of monks who share certain values and share certain resources with each other. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and, I had no idea monasteries were that competitive. They concern themselves with sometimes sports. Yeah. Right, with sometimes okay. the more more physical odds, but also like doing more physical labor, yeah. like cooking or caring oh, for yeah, the I mean, for that, the elderly. That has to happen, yeah. Like. So I, I like that Doctor Theopolis was drawn to these uh, more earthly pursuits than mm. uh, Daryl McMatthews the Fourteenth, uh, well, who was, was definitely more into the like. He kept looking rich- for just what is the higher title? Like, yes. I'm pontifex now. What about and the he pontifex? Wanted, he wanted the rituals and he wanted the masses, yeah. which just kept going forever and ever. And of course, in Latin, and especially in the discovery of the ATM uh, in the Vatican with Latin interface was like an absolute what? delight. No, oh, this is true. Like, there's like is there's, this an, true? there's an ATM in the Vatican, and the default language of it is in Latin. Oh my goodness, <laughs> clerical <laughs> ecclesiastic Latin. Gosh, yeah. that's got to be confusing. So, uh, Doctor. Uh, uh, Dr. Theophilos. Theophilos. Like, they have the Bible, of course. They have a million Bibles. I don't know they how many. They have tons of Bibles. Yeah. And he decides, like, to tread in the footsteps of the Bible as far as he can. Oh, yeah. Which he has to, like, do some incursions to the World War II reenactment ranks in North Africa. Yes. Mm. Get special permission to, like, go and, like, check those out. And there's the ancient Egyptians, which they kind of, like, dig that, like, him showing up. Oh, like, yeah. Especially, yeah, like, you know, yeah, they find, like, are oh, you one of those Jewish guys? Like, no, but we, we're, we're the guys who came after them and like the that was close just, enough yeah exactly and they're cool with that they're even willing to chase them with their chariots and everything uh, <laughs> yeah, and spray some synthetic lamb's blood on them there you go it's like all it's a good bit fun. of a mix up yeah, but yeah no they're larpers as long as it's fun, fun. and they know like, all the songs from andrew lloyd weber's biblical reenactments there we go yes <laughs> seven years of bumper crops are on their way what's that from Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Oh, I don't know. Years of plenty, tons of wheat and loads of hair. Your farms will boom. There won't be room to store the surplus grain you grow. I thought you were talking about that. After that, the future doesn't look too bright. Egypt's fate will change completely overnight. Oh, sorry. Did I lose control again? Yes, you did. I'm going to check you for raccoons later. My mother, (laughs) bless her, who is back in her homeland of Northern Ireland, like she played in Joseph's Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat as a a child. So we we know all the songs. Songs. But when he's like retracing Moses steps, he actually finds like something quite unique on the planet at this point. A bush. An a actual bu- it's example alive. of multicellular life. life. It's growing. Which was not supposed to be there. Like They have the no. equivalent of the, the prime directive. You can only have a LARP planet if it's completely extinct and it just happens to have a certain amount of oxygen that you can all deal with. And, yeah. and oh, especially wow. robots don't care about even that. A synthetic yeah. person. Synth- sorry, synthetic person. I apologize. Uh, so, tracing the steps of Moses. The prophet of... Yeah. Uh, so, they find the bush the and it basically disqualifies the entire planet for LARPing. It's not a party planet like anymore. There's, there's, there's native Life. Well, presumed native, but that's an entirely different theological discussion. He immediately summons his buddy, Daryl McMatthews XIV, to, to sort of examine this. Yes, who immediately gets identified as the burning yet flourishing uh, bush uh, from uh, biblical uh, stories. Now, of course, Pope Daryl McMatthews XIV has studied the uh, the Christian liturgy a, yes. a lot better than Dr. Theophilos, 
who just like samples from everything that's available to program one of his personality mm, yeah. cults with. Like at this point, he's moved on from being a dob dob to being a schulklopfer. <laughs> Do you know what a beadle is? A beadle? Yeah, it's sort of a cleric who, oh. like, bothers people to go to church. Oh, okay. No. And a shulklopfer would stimulate local people of the Jewish community to go to Shul. synagogue. There's associations with, with numerology. Like, in Neustadt, in, mm-hmm. uh, in Germany, it would be knock, pause, knock, knock, pause, mm-hmm. knock. Because that's how they read the numerology uh. of whatever phrase he's supposed to... Right. So and that was the shulklopfer. So go it from, would be like... <laughs> I, I, I think that Dr. Theophilus has adopted that particular one Probably. because he didn't read far enough. It's a good thing that he didn't discover this, uh, uh, this bush during his gymnosophist uh, phase, yeah. uh, which is something that, that like, that's, a, that's a description of the Greeks who met certain religious folks from probably like Hindu or Buddhist backgrounds mm. who thought that like, clothes and food were violations of their purity. Oh, the bush is discovered. It is either real or it's not. Yes. And we have to determine this. And they look into some scriptures, and unfortunately they come into some Rastafarian text, which of course oh, claims yeah. that the burning bush was cannabis. Yeah. Uh, well, which leads them to the in- inevitable conclusions, like we have this bush here. It's either holy or not. question is, will it burn? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they, and they realize the only way to do it is to perform the experiment with yeah. with scientific acumen and with great I relish. Mean, looking at the cover, the way he's plucking at that bush, he is clearly going to roll himself a big fat joint. Yes, he is. He he's is just like, he's harvesting it like it's a tea bush. For a sacred duber. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, Wait, like, okay, so the burning, that was another argument, like, is the burning bush actually about VD? I mean, this is also a very important <laughs> theological... <laughs> no, it's not. No, it isn't. No, because it's already been established that crabs and other Bottom feeders are uh, are, are haram or uh, whatever the, uh, the suppose, yeah. in in Judaism like the the antithesis of kosher is when uh, Pope Daryl decides Pope that Daryl McMatthews the fourteenth Pope Daryl McMatthews the fourteenth actually you. invokes the temporal powers of the Holy See to check out the reference to uh, like is this actually a historical bush now what exactly are the temporal powers of the Holy See like is there a literary precedent to that it's, it's or was really, that bestowed upon them by the Guild of Bewildered Time slash Space Folks probably the latter temporal power actually means the secular power but temporal also means time travel sorry about that I'm not <laughs> clever. I'm not, it's, it's okay so the, there's all these great jokes in in project pope by clifford dc Which, like, like that so far off your head i didn't even see the contrail yeah. wow yeah exactly because I'm not as hey, I'm not as I'm not as ecumenical and as wise as him. And gosh, that I would be an ecumenical battle. I do hope that Clifford D. C. Mac doesn't turn out to be a huge anti-Semite. Let's hope not. If we Google that, and then maybe this becomes one of the lost episodes. Let's hope not. <laughs> well, the, the, the trick to avoid that is to publish it before we do any serious Google. I think that's. I mean, that's worked for us so far. And. Uh, 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 there's no discreet way to get rid of paper Sorry. that doesn't sound like getting rid of paper. This isn't a, this isn't an AMSMR podcast. Sorry. The debate between Dr. Theophilus and, and Pope Daryl McMatthews XIV attracts so much attention from the children of the Son of the Tiger and the, and the Empire of the Robot Queen. They gather around and they join in on, on this debate to the point where they realize that this... This is probably the most important asset on Earth, and it's given all of these other otherwise separate LARP communities a reason to coalesce and to talk to each other and to, like, roleplay with each other in a way that they haven't 
haven't ever done before. Like the, the synthetic persons have never interacted it, yeah, with. Yeah, it, it turns into a big non-denominational LARP event, basically, where they realize that all of them are syncretic persons. Oh, it's incredible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is how I would describe this book. It's definitely, yes, it is incredible. Wow. So how are we going to rate this book? Oh, dear. I mean, we probably ought to. How many candles on a menorah? Seven. Is it seven? It's not nine, is it? It's a week-long event in, like, one candle a night. Yes, that's right. Although originally it was lamp oil, I believe, because that's the whole miracle. So, like, there was not enough oil. Oh, that's right. And then it continued to burn anyway. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I'll give it a solid... Five out of seven. seven. Nice. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I wonder what's the... Okay, so what's the... Mm, so seven is associated with what else? So there's an ecclesiastic symbolism there. Seven is also quite a little bit pagan. Oh, five is certainly pagan. Yeah, yeah, the I mean, the, the both, pentacle. They're both prime. I do like prime numbers. Mm. I, I like square numbers, too. Yeah. What's 60? Neither. No, it's neither. But does it does it combine? Hey, can we combine 60 out of a prime? Uh, what, what are numbers called that combine out of a prime and a square? Oh. Let um, us know on Cover My Ass Cast at... Twitter.com. That's not how Twitter is. 25 is a, is a prime squared. In maths, there's so many names for oh, this happy primes. What's a happy oh. prime? Is one of those special prime numbers. That, right, and so there's Mercina primes, and there's. What are the numbers called that are the sum of a prime and a square number? Sum of a prime. Go to Twitter, oh. at cover my cast just randomly. I don't care if it's 2023 by the time that you listen to this. Uh, Just let us know. We'll probably still be interested. Yeah, if there's some math student in the future who's figured out this theorem, then please use the temporal power of the Holy See to inform (laughs) us of this. (laughs) Someone who is a worse nerd than either Clifford D. Simak or fucking us for coming up with all this nonsense. So, hey, what do we have in store for our readers next week? Right. Next week's book is by Dave Barry. It's called Live Right and Find Happiness. Although beer is much faster. <laughs> Thank you for joining us at Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay. And remember, we, we only judge a book by its cover. cover. We even did it together again. I remember it finally. Oh, got it right. I wonder how the raccoons are doing, though. I mean, you're great and everything. I'm going to take out their paycheck. It was a little higher again this time. It's still happening. God, you're such a chump. No, that was an unkind thing to say. I just, I just think, like, give me your paper. Rest of records is always a bad idea. I know, but it's like you can tell me that for years. <laughs>